Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. So we've been journeying through this uh, series, Act Like Jesus, where we're focused on um, faith practices. This morning, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to use the word spiritual disciplines because today's focus is really a discipline for our lives. It's single-mindedness. It's weird to call that a faith practice. So I'm going to call it a discipline, <laughs> right? To sing, be single-minded. And it's important because throughout this series, the whole, the, our, our whole focus is that we live into the faith, these Christian faith practices, uh, these, these spiritual disciplines, because we want to live in Christ. We want to find our identity in him. We want to we come alongside of Christ and let him do his good new work in us. And we want to live for Christ. If his kingdom is truly a kingdom that leads to life, it has the ability to impact every nook and cranny, not only of ours, but the community, right? The broader community and world in which we live. The in, with, and for life with Jesus. Single-mindedness is going to matter. As I think about single-mindedness, at the beginning of January, I was diagnosed with high cholesterol. Anybody? We're the American public, so I'm guessing (laughs) there's more of you in this room. Um, Now, I was diagnosed back in 2021 with moderately high cholesterol, and did I take it really seriously? Eh. I I confess. Eh. (laughs) I started to eat a little bit better. I added some fish into my diet. I got a little bit better with the leafy greens, maybe a few more vegetables and fruits and things like that, right? But then at the beginning of January, I got that like super red on your, on your report, your blood work that says, danger Will Robinson, right? Like, and, and we love our doctors, grateful for our doctors, right? Like that they can highlight these things and, and, and that my doctor gave me like three, now actually like three and a half months to start trending my cholesterol in a better direction. Well, guess what? It was enough to rattle me and then kick me into my ADHD. I get really hyper-focused sometimes. Like, I'm the guy, and this happened a couple weeks ago, where I will jump on Amazon, and there's a great deal. And that great deal is there, it's screaming, it's like, yeah, yeah, but I need to research it and make sure that it's a real good deal and that it can last for a long time because I'm not going to be just short-sighted. I'm going to be, you know, got to look long-term. And then all of a sudden, guess what disappears in my cart? The good deal, <laughs> right? Like, ah, I get so hyper-focused. Well, thankfully, over this last month, I've been super hyper-focused because I want to be well, right? At the end of the day, when I think about being single-minded, if the, we're, we're driven by some kind of outcome, Right, that drives us and motivates us, that shapes our actions and what we do, shapes what we, like for me, put into my body and what that does. It it, it shapes what I'm going to like learn and focus on. I mean, I'm studying cholesterol, good cholesterol, like LDL, HDL, by the way, LDL's not bad. 
But then when they're, when they're the, the, the damaged LDL particles, those are the ones that get us into trouble, right? Doctors in the room, you can, you can correct me on that. Like, I'm learning these things, but at the end of the day, my hyper-focus is I want to be well. That single-minded devotion has allowed me to lose already 10 bad pounds. That was just pure, like, fat that was getting in the way, not allowing me to be healthy in the last month. You know, I have more energy now, I said this to Kendra, than I have had since I was in college. We're talking over 25 years. No joke. The benefit, I'm not going back. Will, will there be some hiccups along the way? Absolutely. I've tried Wendy's again, and it was not good. <laughs> oh, did it taste good, but it wasn't good. Right? Like, this single-mindedness has become for me, man, a blessing that's led me to life. But let me tell you, folks, that as Christians, we believe that the single-minded devotion, that fixing our eyes that we're going to hear today, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that that leads us to life. When we focus our lives, our attention on him, and then see the world through the lens of Christ, now, we're not going to feel just like we did years ago. We're going to step into the rivers of new life. Right? We're going to be able to dip from a well that never ends and goes empty. We're going to eat from the bread of life that always supplies. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, our passage is from Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Three verses. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. And participate with me. We're going we're gonna to dive into the old Hebrew practice that when we read the scripture together, and this has been done throughout the church, when we read the scripture, we're going to honor God um, by standing, and we're going to read these words together. So follow along with me, if you will. Let's read God's word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You may be seated. If there was something I want to make clear for us, I want us to focus on today the desire of us as Christians that we, we seek to attain. It's this. We fix our eyes. We are a people that with, with unrelentance, with single-mindedness, Fix our eyes on Jesus. I want to walk through this passage this morning uh, just one piece at a time because I think it helps us understand what this discipline of single-mindedness is in our lives. The first part of verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Anytime in the scriptures we see therefore, and I've said this before, but I'm going to keep reminding you, we should ask the question, what's this therefore, right? 
Like, why, what's, what's this passage saying? Sometimes, um, I think we have interpreted this scripture to think about those who have passed on are in, in, are in the glory of God. I'm not going to get into that conversation today because I, I want to get to what Hebrews is actually saying at face value right here. Therefore, right here, builds off of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a chapter that starts like this. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Hebrews 11 is a chapter on faith, on pursuing Jesus, on understanding what it means to live into the freedom into friendship with God, into the rest that is found in him. And the ancients from Abraham, Moses, all these different followers of Jesus have lived stories of faith. And what the, writers of Hebrew, what the writer of Hebrews is doing right here at the beginning of chapter 12 isn't saying the great cloud of witnesses is a bunch of others in our lives that have gone before us. It's actually going, we have the stories of God through the people of God cheering us on in the journey of faith. That the Bible, we talked about the Bible last week being God's story, is full of witnesses to a faith journey. At Heart of Like, we believe we are on a journey of faith. None of us have arrived, right? None of us are there yet. We're all growing. We're all to, to journey with God is learning new things. It's being shaped and molded. It's getting some rough edges, you know, polished off. At other times, we're being encouraged. But the writer of Hebrews says, guess what, folks? In a journey of pursuing Jesus, of living out faith, God has given you stories. There is a great cloud of witnesses to the grace, the mercy, the peace of God, of look, what it looks like to follow him that God has given you. So, in our pursuit of Jesus, you're not alone. And by the way, then, those who have gone before us as well, their stories of faith are a witness to us. Now, a witness to what, right? The, the passage then goes on to say, so then, if this is the case in our faith journey, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Right? As Christians, we believe that the, that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. Sin, if you just simply define it, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And that it's in our DNA, it's in the social structures of our society, it's in every good idea to fix, to fix problems, it's in every bad idea that exists. A lot of times we try to live in a, this simple, a very simplistic dichotomy of good and evil. Guess what? Good luck with that one. Because sin, according to the scriptures, what we call good is invading it and influencing and trying to trip it up. And everything we call evil, you know that sometimes there might even be wisdom that leads to good even in the things we set up as evil. It's not as simple as good or evil. Sin is in us and we can't run away from it. We can't hide from it. We need a solution bigger than us to save us. Otherwise, Jesus wasn't necessary. 
And so part of our single-minded pursuit, just like with my cholesterol, there are some things that are getting in the way that I got to get rid of. I'm learning how much added sugar is in stuff. Holy smokes. I think one of the reasons why I'm not like, uh, I'm not saying don't have your Bowerman's donut, okay? Go rock the donut today, all right? Like there's, sometimes you can have a cheat day. I didn't say it. <laughs> but there are things that are trying to trip us up. Paul will say this in Romans 8. He'll say it in Gal- Galatians 5, Colossians 3, where he says, hey, the reality is in the journey with Jesus, we have to, we're going to have to get rid of some things that are, that are messing us up that are tripping us up. Sometimes that do it easily, right, and are hard to identify. And sometimes it's things that we all go, oh, yeah, yeah. But how many of us, let me ask you this, in, in any given day, you're like, man, I've been living good today, and then all of a sudden, bam! How did I make that mistake? Anybody? Or is it just me? <laughs> I prove to myself every day that part of the journey with Jesus means i got to identify some of the junk in my life and join in the Spirit's work to get rid of that stuff. Right? God's not judging me by my, my, my ability to earn his salvation. No, that's been earned for me. But God certainly wants us to put the effort in. In a single-minded pursuit of Jesus is to say, at times, we are pursuing the wrong things. Let me use my hands. You got Jesus over here, and you got everything else in life. How often do we do this? Jesus becomes part of our list. You know, but the, the worries of life, the struggles of life, the good things of life are up close. And then we see Jesus through the things. So we talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus today. It doesn't mean these things are bad. It just means oftentimes they get out of place. So sin even is misplacing even good things in our life. And so the, the desire, the writer of Hebrews is saying, we just need to push it off to the side. Before we can move Jesus into our sight, we've got to get rid of some things in order to do it. The passage continues, and it says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Notice how when I talk about Christianity and our faith, it's a journey. The reason at Hardawike we decided to use this as, as a key part of our vision, to see everyone joining in the journey, because Christians are committed to the long game in a short-sighted world. Because we live in a kingdom that has no end. The world and its story does, and that's death. But we believe God created the world and created the world for eternity with him, not for a limited time frame. So often in our lives, we play the short game. We look for short-term results in, in the stuff that, right, in life, we, we bring it right up to our nose and we forget to see that there's so much more. The writer of Hebrews is saying, man, when we get rid of some of this, we realize we're playing a much longer game called eternity. The impact of our decisions have more impact than just me. When I choose to just, we'll just keep it as simple as possible. When I choose 
to disregard my friend. Right? We all got friends. And I choose to treat them like junk. That has a domino effect, doesn't it? Because how do, if you feel like junk, how do you tend to then treat your coworkers? How might you go home and treat your spouse? How might you, right? And the list goes on. One decision, while I, I, if I just treat you like this and my world's just around me, like I don't see that the impact of it is so much bigger And we're playing a game that's so much more expansive. This is why we need Christ, right? To give us wisdom we don't have. To help us see beyond ourselves, because that's part of sin too, is selfishness. At its core, going back to Adam and Eve. It's about me, God, not about you. And when that happens, we limit the world. And we limit people. And we limit our conversations and we limit the possibilities. And yet God is inviting us into an unlimited kingdom. A kingdom that is full of life. Again, of peace. And so it says what? Right? We got to run this, persevere. We got to start playing a long game. So how do we do it? Right? And this is where we really get focused. We do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer, and the perfecter of our faith. And what did Jesus do? For the joy set before him. Right? This was joy for him to live out the mission of God, to bring life for us and for this world. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Right, Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. All throughout Hebrews, over the last couple of weeks, we've actually been talking about some of these passages. But Jesus is the pioneer of our faith, has opened up the way for us with God to be right with him. We are justified. That's the Christian term. So when we try to justify something, simply, simply put, we're trying to make it, we're proving it to be right. Jesus, has, in, as the pioneer of our faith, has proved us right before God. Not because we were, but because he gave himself for us. So he has opened up the way for us to live in the life of God, to live in his kingdom, to have a restored relationship. And as the perfecter of our faith, he sanctifies us. That's the next Christian word. So not only does he prove us right, but he makes us right. The process of sanctification is going, yep, um, you don't have to worry before God about being perfect. As Jesus says, as I am perfect, because I'm going to give you my perfection. But the Christian journey is this, we're only ever living into that, right? God's finished work is doing a finishing on us. We fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We fix our eyes on Jesus because as Paul says in Philippians 1, the work he began in you, he's going to bring to completion. So we fix our eyes on Christ if we want life. We go, here's Jesus, and then through Jesus we see life. If the author of life is truly the author of life, then he's the best set of glasses to wear. Amen? This is why we pray. 
so that we might have a single-minded devotion to Jesus, to know him more. This is why we read the scriptures. This is why we gather together to worship, right? These three faith practices we've talked about so far. They are all meant to help us stay focused on Jesus. Now, how many of you do that perfectly? Raise? No. <laughs> right? We struggle. Again, one minute we think we got it, and the next, bam. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> you know? And by the time you collect yourself, you're going, I don't even know where. <laughs> how was I in the drive-thru at Wendy's? <laughs> Or worse, Taco Bell. <laughs> and this is where I think verse 3 is important for us. Consider then. Another way of saying this is in considering Jesus is keep him on your mind. Consider him who endured such opposition. He endured sin and sinners. But why do we keep considering him in this journey? So that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Now the beauty is, we have all of these stories of faith. But even better, we have the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And listen, if he could come through, he's going to bring us through. Our assurance isn't in our performance. Our assurance is in his. That's why we have to consider him. And then Hebrews 12 will go on and say, hey, don't be surprised when God disciplines you. God's discipline isn't to go, hey, dummy. God's discipline is, I want to work new life out in you. So stay in the journey with me. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to bring you into life. Jesus said that. That's not my words. That's his. So keep looking at me because I have you in this journey. In the days when you make mistakes, in the days when you think you got it and you finally succeeded, you finally, gave, you finally conquered the hill of that one thing that kept tripping you up 100,000 times. In the moments where something comes to light for the first time, those don't just listen to the stories about me. Come to me. Keep your eyes on me, the one thing. Because, man, when you put on those glasses, you get the lenses right. World, the world becomes more clear. The life that God has authored and put together and sustains in our hope of eternity becomes more clear. We fix our eyes on Jesus as Christians. This is a discipline we are committed to as believers. Not so that we punish ourselves, not because we think we earned something. It's in gratitude to the one who has given us life. It's because we desire life and the flourishing not only of our lives, but the flourishing of this world. And the, we, we want to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven as much as what it will be one day. Philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. Huh? How many of you heard of Soren Kierkegaard? 
Okay, he was from the 1800s. He was an existentialist. So um, means he just liked to study human existence. But he's a Christian philosopher. And uh, a lot of times his writing um, in his philosophy ends up sounding more like a prayer. And what I'm going to read for us to end the message today is one of those moments where his philosophy on the, in the importance and the existence of humanity and what holds us together is really a prayer. And it's a prayer about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. To Kierkegaard, this would be called to will one thing. Father in heaven, what are we without you? I could just stop there. What are we without you? The disciples in John 6 would say, when Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? They go, Lord, where are we going to go? You have life. Father in heaven, what are we without you? What is all that we know, vast accumulation though it be, but a chipped fragment if we don't know you? What is all of our striving? Could it ever encompass a world but half-finished work if we do not know you? You, the one who is the one thing, who is all. So may you give to the intellect wisdom to comprehend that one thing to the heart, sincerity, to receive this understanding, to the will, purity that wills only one thing, in prosperity. In prosperity, may you grant perseverance to will one thing. Amid distractions, collectedness to will one thing, in suffering, patience to will one thing. You that gives both the beginning and the completion, May you early at the dawn of day give to the young the resolution to will one thing. As the day wanes, may you give to the old a renewed remembrance of their first resolution. That the first may be like the last, the last like the first, in possession of a life that has willed one thing. Alas, but this has indeed not come to pass. <laughs> Something has come in between. The separation of sin lies between. Each day and day after day, something is being placed in between. Delay, blockage, interruption, delusion, corruption. So in this time of repentance, may you give the courage once again to will one thing. True, it's an interruption of our ordinary tasks. We do lay down our work as though it were a day of rest when the penitent penitent is alone before you in self-accusation. See, this is indeed an interruption, but it is an interruption that searches back into its very beginnings, that it might bind up anew that which sin has separated, that in its grief it might alone for lost time, that in its anxiety it might bring to completion that which lies before it. You that gives both the beginning and the completion, give your victory in the day of need, so that what neither our burning wish nor our determined resolution may attain to may be granted unto us in the sorrowing of repentance to will one thing.
Lord, make our heart your temple in which you live. To will one thing. Soren Kierkegaard understands this. In order to will one thing, we need the pioneer and perfecter to help us. And that in itself is to will the one thing. God says, come to me and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, much of Kierkegaard's prayer is a prayer for us. How often we are disrupted, we are distracted. The things of this world that are good gifts become out of order. Become the thing that becomes our focus. Lord, we ask this morning that you give us the grace to will one thing, and that is you, Jesus. And that in that journey, we would not feel defeated. That we, feel not, we would not feel at a loss because, Lord, we know when we look to you, you are the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You who began a good work in us will bring it to its completion. And you will bring us into a new life that you have gifted to us as we face the old, seeking to shed it. Lord, we need your help to keep our eyes on you. And when we look to you, Lord, give us the grace to see the rest of life through the lens of you. To see your kingdom beyond the empires. To see where, God, the good news lies. Where peace, grace, and mercy abound. Lord, for often when we put the creation in front of you, our creator, we tend to mess things up. But Lord, when we have you in our mind as creator, creation comes into focus. So Lord, today may we will one thing. Because your will for us was life. And Father, I know I want life. You are the way the truth, and the life. So help us see clearly. Help us keep our eyes on you. Father, shed the things that entangle us to run, play the long game in a short-sighted world and to be encouraged by the stories of others who've gone before as well as the story you're writing in us and through us by your spirit to Jesus' glory. God, thank you that you promised to help us. Thank you for being our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.